And welcome back to the For Film's Sake Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian and Chija, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And my voice is back. Kinda. I'm still got, like, the little sniffly phlegm. Yeah. But my voice is back. How you doing, Chris? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. So, I caught you in the middle of a sip of water there. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I'm um, good. I think they're used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Uh, is this episode 60? Uh, 59. Oh, 59. we're almost there. Almost yeah. 60. Wow. When we get to episode 69, I'm going to have a giggle. 69, yeah. I think I'll giggle with you. <laughs> I'm still immature enough to find lots of humor in that. <laughs> Seriously. Man, let's do the ketchup, the condiments. Ketchup, Ooh, mustard, uh, condiments. Um, nothing too much of note. I've seen Get Out. That's no, the, nice. the biggest thing that's What'd happened you think for about me. It? Um, very big talking piece. It's huge, big talking piece, and it's it's um it's highly it's highly rated. But it's like the reason, like I said, I like to look at a rating before I see a movie, mm-hmm. and oftentimes I don't agree with the rating. Might go a lot further down, might go a lot further up. Right. This one was rated pretty highly. It was like a ninety something on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, ninety nine. Ninety nine. It made it to a hundred for a week, and then it went back down to ninety nine. I disagree. I disagree. I, I mean, I, I mean, with that, I mean, after seeing the movie, I, I, I mean, yeah. maybe. A solid 90, 80, yep. 87 to 90, you know, it was, it was, it was that, but, um, a talking piece. Yes, it is a talking <laughs> piece. That's one of those like culturally relevant type yes. movies. It's like, there's going to be so many different things that people are going to be talking about, you know, for the next three months that is just all crammed into that movie. Uh, the interesting part about the movie is that it was written when Obama was still sort of the president. Yeah, I, I think definitely. before Obama's second term. So like it was relevant back then, but somehow along the timeline, it just became even, even more, more relevant. relevant. Yeah. That's what uh, Jordan Peele was talking about. Yeah. Um, the writer of it. Jordan Peele is freaking awesome. I love like, that man. This thing is, it's a horror, but it's freaking hilarious. Yeah. It is free. You know, you got, did you get a chance to catch it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I saw it. I saw oh, it the, the, the week it came yeah. out. Yeah. Come I saw on. it on opening day. Well, fucking right then. <laughs> Shit. That's what's up, man. I did not yeah. think that you would see that movie. No, I fucking, I was looking forward to that movie. Whoa. I thought that movie was going to be fucking hilarious. That's what's up. Um, first of all, I love Peel. Yeah. And I love horror comedies. Yeah. And I just, I just like what the movie was trying to say. Okay. Uh, so I, I went and catch and caught it with uh, Jordan, I nice. mean, Jonathan on opening day. Oh, hell he, yeah. He, he hooked me up with a ticket. That was, yeah, it was a good movie, definitely. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Yeah. I, there, I, I think the reason why it climbed up to a hundred mm-hmm. was because of the talking piece. Yes, definitely aspect definitely. of it. Yeah, um, because without that, I would get the movie is a solid ninety. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. eighty-seven, ninety for me without the talking piece. Yeah, yeah. because uh, I mean, as far as horrors go, mm-hmm. extremely well crafted horror. Definitely. As far as comedy go, extremely well written and delivered comedy. Oh yeah. And like just like the plot of the movie, as absurd as it was, everything made sense. The universe follows its own rules. Yep. There's nothing. There's nothing writing wise that makes me go like ugh. Yeah, yeah, it was just a beautifully directed, well-written movie. It was that just happened to have a lot of conversation pieces about racism. Yeah, and sort of exploiting the stereotypes for comedy. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was done fantastically well. Oh yeah, it was really good. You know, I love that movie. It's like the Elvis Presley thing. Uh, instead of just uh, we're like the white man taking your music, how yeah. about we take the whole person? <laughs> yeah. You know what uh, fucked me up? The mm-hmm. spoiler if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. There's one scene where they're playing bingo. Yeah. And I didn't catch it for some reason. Mm. I didn't realize that was an auction. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was like a portrait of him and they're like playing bingo. Mm. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? No, this is no weird. Yeah. No idea what it auction was. Auction blocks, what that is. And then my yeah. friend, like fucking a week later, is like, you do know, I saw the movie. The, the mm. auction scene was weird. Auction scene? <laughs> what are you talking about? They sold them? Uh, <laughs> it was up for me, definitely. Y- yeah? <laughs> like the bingo? And I was like, everything clicked. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 
Oh. Then the guy that was about to die was like losing his eyes or something. No, he was, <laughs> he blind. was blind. He was already blind, yeah. And he was playing bingo, which in yeah. the movie theater I thought, well, that's a weird thing. He's yeah. blind. How does he know what the fuck he's signaling? Yeah. And then I, I, I caught on to it. Oh, okay. But yeah. It was a fantastic movie. I really liked it. Definitely. Jordan Peele is absolutely hilarious. Hell yeah. And I, I, I wish, I, I love to see him do more shit. I yeah. think Get Out was a good start for him. I believe so too. Uh, what, anything what about else? you? Uh, well, I, I just been working and sort of tired. Yeah. And like, you know, the kind of tired that you can be functional, mm-hmm. but once you have to do something, your brain just kind of goes like, ah, mm. and you just kind of sit there. Nope. And just Dude, like, I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you why I don't want to hear this story. Yeah. It's because when we first started the podcast and you told me this story, uh, a, a tired story, and then I was like melatonin. And then you was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I promise you I'm going to do it. Do and, it. Then, and then two months later, I brought it up again. And I was like, every time I bring it up and you don't do it, I feel a little disrespected when I'm trying to help you do I just, something. I just and then it was forget. like, nope. I just it was like, mm. to get it. Because mm. to get melatonin requires me mm. to like forgo what, I'm, it's, <laughs> forgo what I'm doing. Go to Walgreens. I mean, I, I, will, I will literally bring you the melatonin. If you bring it to me, I will take it. On, on air, you promise me <laughs> that I will never have to hear about, I'm so tired, I'm sleepy well, here, ever again. Here's the thing. I'm not tired, like, physically. Yeah. I'm, 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 like, emotionally tired. Okay. It's a different kind of tired. All right. But if you let me fucking continue with my story. I could not. I could not. Just because I'd heard so many sleepy, tired stuff. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, that so no, easily like, fits. I sleep yeah. a normal amount of time. Good. I went to sleep yesterday at 11 p.m. And Great. I woke up today at 11. All right. Slept a good, solid 12 hours. Emotionally tired. Emotionally tired. Let's hear it. And it's just because, like, it's school they like in my class we have to do a senior thesis film yes and so there was like hey okay so produce a senior thesis film but we're also going to give you two classes on top of that yeah one of the classes you're not going to give a shit about because the teacher doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about yeah and then the other class is just going to be kind of like eh, there yeah so like do you go to school you spend eight hours a week going to two classes you don't care so you can go to the class that you do care about mm. which is your senior thesis prep <laughs> and then you're exhausted because the class is at 6 p.m. at night. You leave at 10. Mm-hmm. You go to sleep. You've got work to do, so you wake up on Thursday. You do a podcast, and then the rest of the night, you're like, fuck. Yeah. I don't really want to do anything. I just, like, my week is gone. My week is gone out. Yeah. Just because, like, work and school, like, they just take up the most of the day. Yes. And so, like, by the time I get time to do anything, it's, like, fucking 11 p.m. at night. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. I don't want to. Yeah. And so I'm just like emotionally drained by this fucking bullshit thing we call time. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's just it's just life. It's yeah. adult life. I um I was so weirded out about Jonathan. You, Jonathan Smathers has been on the podcast. Hope you're listening to this. Yeah. Um but I was like this guy is like 15 years old. <laughs> it's what, it's what I was feeling like because I, I was in a class with um I was in the class and there was only like four of us in there and me and another guy another thirty year old guy was in there and we're sitting there and we're talking and then Jonathan walks in and I, I looked at him I was like whoa what the fuck is going on with Jonathan and I was like hey what guy what's what's going on man you all right he was like yeah I'm fine I'm fine so I was like all right and then I was like no he's not fine you know <laughs> so I was like as a friend like I wanted to go and like find out what's really going on right you know I was like um so what's what's going on like did um. Like somebody died, you know, or like a breakup between, you know, like what's what's going on? And then he was like, no, just, you know, I got to come to school and I'm stressed, but then I got to go to work and then I got to come back and then I'm tired from school and this. And then um, me and me and David were looking back and forth for that. Jonathan was like, all right, you know, yada, yada. And he's just like moping the entire class, yeah. pissed off. And then like class is over. And then I look at David. I'm like, 
this is what he's angry about? Like, wait till real life hits him when you have like a, a infant waking you up in the middle of the night and you get to sleep two hours a day and you got to work for 12 hours a day and you got to go to school and you got to do this. It, it's just like life is going to hit so See, much harder, so much harder. Here's the know? thing. I, ha- I hate when people say that to me. Yeah. It's like life is going to hit. It's like, yeah, okay. It's going to suck even more. Even more. But right now, still kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> in comparison for, to for, like candy but here's the thing <laughs> like know? it sucks and and here's a, an, an entire conversation and shit like yeah. you've experienced more because you've been alive longer yes but for like someone that hasn't experienced that type of thing mm-hmm. this is this is the thing we've experienced so this but is the thing i, that's I, I had to experience it for the first time yeah like, but ev- we haven't did. but we haven't so no, like no, we're no, no, no. all right but 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 imagine like the first time i experienced that or the first time yeah. mother Teresa experienced like every human that ever lived had to experience it for the first time yeah. but every person that deals with it for the first time doesn't deal with it that particular way it's what i'm saying i i, I have i find a lot of mopiness around me maybe i'm I, just no i mean i see i see it too i yeah. see it too and it's i mean like listen, it's, I don't, it's, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, say, I'm not defending it. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I yeah. get it. But I, I I'm, a, I, like, I, I know that my problems are like fairly simple because I'm still like fucking 21. Yeah. And I don't have a fucking kid. I don't want a kid. No, nobody like, wants a kid. I, don't, I, don't want a kid. <laughs> I didn't want a kid either. Right I did not want so a kid. Like, I, I hate it. I, I don't still have hate a fucking children. kid. I have a cat. <laughs> yeah. I have to eat. That's all. Like most of my words yeah. are like I have to eat. Yeah. And I have to do work. Yeah. And like you know I have to go to school. But but a thing that the the emotional tiredness comes from the fact that I can't do the shit that I want because yeah. I'm too busy doing the shit that I have to. Yeah. And I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I mean, like yeah, it. it's, it's a transition. It's yeah, a transition because like it. eventually it's just like that. being able to do what I want. Oh, that's funny that I used to think that I could get to do what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. It's just like, no. I, I just refuse to subscribe to the, the sort of to it, the yeah. feti- the, like the fetishism that comes from admitting that you will never get to do what you want. Yes. You'll always be sort of strapped in to do what you have to. And like, yeah. I get it. All right. It's adulthood. Yeah. I get it. You have to. You have to. No, I mean, you, ha- you have to fight that fight. You have to fight yeah. that fight. I mean, like, um, like somebody. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Like, say, like a little yachty yeah. is like he decided he wanted to do things his way and his way only, and yeah. he, it worked. Yeah, it worked. Like he didn't. He doesn't have to go do, graduate from high school, college, do anything that he wants to. And as long as he continues to have success, he can continue to live however yeah. he wants to until he runs up against a failure. You know, and then it was like adversity. What's this? Um, hard times. What's this? Struggle. What is this? You know, so everybody has to go through it. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Like everybody has to go through the bullshit. So I yeah. mean, I would, I commend you for holding on to like what you want as hard as you can. Yeah, I'm not gonna you let know? it go. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I let that go, it's just gonna be sadness. You know, I'm already like depressed enough. I mean, there's a um, new happiness around the corner. It's just not as bright and shiny. I don't like that. No, I want the I want the brightest thing I want. Nope. I want what I want. Eventually, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I work for now. I mean, it's yeah. like I'm. Th- I'll be 33 this year, and it's like maybe by the time I'm 40, 45, I'll be able to have the things that I wanted at 17 and 18. I guess. I hope. I hope. But I mean, I it's hope just. So too. But it's like I'm a pessimistic person, though. It's like yeah. I don't. I don't believe. It's like I'll work as hard as I can and never get to fuck Scarlett Johansson. You, you know what I'm saying? But it's like that doesn't deter me from going. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of yeah. what you're saying. It's like I'm. I'll go as hard as I can to hold on to like the things that I loved in childhood, although I know that eventually it's going to go away no matter what, Right. you know, but it's like, I still like the idea of being able to hold on to it, yeah. you know? And it's just like, I'm saying the idea of the things that I had in childhood, I know I'm not going to be able to get it in that same way yeah. to where, I mean, it's just life has changed way too much. So, I mean, 
in the way that I'll have to get it on my own. It might take till I'm 40 years old. It might take till I'm 45 years old. It may well never happen. You know, I may, right. I may die as a 60-year-old that never got to accomplish any of my hopes and dreams whatsoever. I, and, you know? and all of those can happen. Yeah. But I, I, I think that my emotional drainness or, or, or drainage yeah. comes from the fact that every day I have a finite amount of energy. Yes. And, and, and every day I'm forced to spend some of that energy Doing something you don't want to do and stuff that I have to do, like, yeah. like you know, shit I don't necessarily want to do. Yeah, and and a lot of that energy is creative energy, mm. um, just because of the nature of the school. Yep. So when I get some time to come in, and I was like, I have my script that I want to work on and edit. Mm-hmm. By the time that I get to school, all that energy has been sort of Done. outpoured. It's just spilled yeah. out of me. So I just end up looking at a binder and just go like, fuck, and yeah. then I just close it because there's nothing there. That's I think that's what's emotionally draining me. Yeah. Like I want to be able to use my creative energy for the shit that I want to use it and not for sitting five hours stroking some teacher's ego um, in front of After Effects. Yes. I think that's where I'm angry at. I don't yeah. think I'm mad at the fact that I have to give up some of the shit I want once I grow up. Yeah. I don't think I'm mad that I have to go to work. I'm fine with going to work. Mm. I'm mad that my creative energy output is not going where I wanted to go, and it has to go to like somewhere other fucking people wanted to go, yeah. and it, it it fucking kills me. It fucking I mean, kills me. I had um I had about a year and a half of not working where I got to write Paranoid, and I got the most creative work that I've ever put out within that year. I, yeah. I made a lot of music, uh, two albums, couple of scripts. Um, creatively, I mean, top notch, you know. Yeah. But um, financially, you know, I wasn't there. Um. I mean, there was a lot of other things that weren't there. It's just like mm-hmm. I, I still I didn't have the balance, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's like finally I'm finally finding a balance where you can be financially successful, creatively successful, um, in a relationship successful within that. I mean, there just has to be some type of balance. I mean, before I wanted the 100% creative and finances will take care of themselves. And I don't mind living in a shitty apartment and eating ramen noodles and drinking water every day, right. you know, as long as I get to be creative. But at some point, like I would like a steak. <laughs> you know, at no, some point, I, 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 I would like some nice wine. So it was like, all right, well, you're gonna have to start working 20 hours a week. Okay, well, I got a steak once. Well, my friends are going out this weekend. Well, now you have to work 40 hours a week, and now you'll only be able to be creative. You know, one day, you know, it's like it's the balance of yeah. having to do more things that I don't want to do things that I do want. I mean, it's 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 tough, but yeah, just no, become I get accustomed it. to it now. I guess I, I really do. I just I just don't like I just don't like giving. My energy to people that don't deserve it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Especially with with school. Because, I mean, I felt that way when I was wrong, when I was 14, and I felt like I was smarter than the teacher. Yeah. I felt like that when I was 19 on a particular subject that I knew that I had more information than the teacher. Right. You know, so it's like either way is just the train of thinking, knowing that you know more than the person teaching you that, whether you're right or wrong. You yeah. know, but the, the reality is that person that's teaching me has a degree already. You know, you yeah, know, like that's, no, that that's, means nothing to me. I mean, that's the only reason I'm in school. That's the only right. reason in school to get, is to get the degree. I right. mean, in order to get where you want, it's like you can know someone, and that's the number one way to get anywhere who right. you know. You know, you can be talented and have an amazing ability. Number two, you know, it's like if you don't know anyone that can connect that talent and ability, then you just got nothing. And number three, a degree. That'll separate you from every Joe Smo on the street that knows anything. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I agree that I would much rather just be a talented person that knows someone that could connect me, mm-hmm. but from years of not having a job it was like that degree definitely would have helped you know it was just like a fail-safe bailout and even with all the teachers being complete idiots and the art institute of charlotte not being a great institution you know it's like i mean i've been saying that for the longest i knew that for quite a while but the thing is is degree like that's, yeah, that's like I, I want the degree too you know i'm just i'm just tired of stroking someone's ego you don't have to stroke stroke the ego though well that's i'm doing that just by showing up to the fucking classroom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is 
That's a Kanye line. My, my, my presence is a presence. Kiss my ass. Just, just the fact that I'm, I'm, my presence is a present. The fact that I'm even showing up, you should fucking kiss my ass. Like, <laughs> you're saying about the fact that just me even showing up like, is me giving, sucking your dick. It, it is. It's 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 fucking bullshit. Cause like, I don't think my ego is that high no, just yet. Like I, I'm, I'm egotistic. I, I'm totally climbing the, the ego. Cause Whoa. like if I if if I if I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. I have to. You have to consolidate in your mind mm-hmm. that I don't give a shit. Yes. About what you're doing because I'm not showing up. Yes. But if I do show up, I mean, we, you can only not do that. You can do that three times. I, a I've already done it. That's three it. Times. I, me too. I do that every quarter. Um, you know, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. And so, like, like every time I show up and I have to look this fucking guy in the eye, mm-hmm. I feel like he knows that you don't give a shit. That no, no, no. I feel like like he thinks that I'm there because I want to be, and not because I, ha- I have to. Why does it so, matter? So I just feel like I'm stroking his ego. I just feel like every time I show up to the classroom, I have to look him in the eye and pretend to be a student that gives a shit about what he thinks. And he goes up to my computer and he goes like, yeah, no, it's not too bad. Given to a project that I know it's it's good because I did Mm. exactly what he wanted Mm. in like three hours. And so he goes like, yeah, that's not too bad. Um, Add this and that and then you'll you'll be good. And I was Mm. like, you're you're just masturbating all over this project right now. You don't care. It's nothing wrong with it. It's what you wanted. There's nothing to add. You're just saying that because you're supposed to. Because you feel like you're a teacher. You're monkeying it over. You're monkeying your authority over whatever I'm doing. And it just bothers me. It just bothers me. The fact that I need to show up to this guy. I feel like I'm, I'm, like I'm stroking his ego as a teacher that's not very successful. I think you we know? should move on. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right. Fuck class. <laughs> just what I'm saying. I just have a lot of energy pent up. I'm sitting here like fucking cross-armed and like shrinking in my chair, fucking fuming. <laughs> God damn it. We're going to talk about Annie Hall. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with fucking Annie Hall. And welcome back. We are going to be talking about Annie Hall after like about a 15-minute recession where I just like, we had a therapy session. It could have been like two seconds for all that. It could have been two seconds, yeah. <laughs> or two hours. No, but yeah, we sat, we talked off off air for like 30 minutes or so. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good conversation. Yeah, I got a you, lot of that, that pent-up energy. And you guys inside. will never hear it. And you have no idea. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> like, like legitimately, <laughs> those 30 minutes might have been better than anything that happened in the opening. <laughs> You'll never hear it. You have no idea. I had the record button right here. I could have recorded it. You have no... <laughs> Nah, fuck you. Good, yes. You're, we're talking about Annie Hall, so that's what we're going to talk about. That's what you're going to hear. That's Annie, why you click. Annie Hall, <laughs> yes. Annie Hall, I'm, I'm so glad to finally be doing an Annie Hall episode. You've been um, wanting to do Annie Hall since we started. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I love, love, love this movie. Um, the thing about it is just, it's not um, it's not like a mainstream movie. Like, our supervisor came up and was like, what movie are you guys doing? Like, Annie Hall? You seen Annie Hall? And he just looked like, us. nope. Kind of like glassy eye. Yeah. Like, okay. He was like, no, not only have I not seen that, I've never heard of that. Right. You know, but it's like, but people in the know, it's like this movie is highly regarded. The movie's amazing. Yeah, oh yes. It's, um, it won Best Director, Best Actress for uh, for Diane Keaton, Best Picture, and Best Original Screenplay in 1978. God damn. Yeah. Um, Annie Hall came out in 1977. It's rated PG. Uh, that runtime is an hour and 33 minutes. It's listed as a comedy romance. Uh, the rundown is neurotic New York comedian Alvy Singer <laughs> falls in love with a ditzy Annie Hall, written and directed by Woody Allen, starring Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, uh, also starring. I want to give bonus points if you can pick um, this out. Uh, needs more cowbell. Yeah, did you see? Did you see Christopher walking in the movie? Yeah. Yes. One, one more, one more. Jeff Goldblum. 
Uh, I did not spot Goku. He, he was only in there for like 1.5 seconds. Yeah, barely spot. in there. But it was like um, when they're walking by, they're in, a, um, they're in the L.A. party uh, yeah. with his friend. And he's talking about, yeah, Max, uh, I think you, you two could hit it off. And then it was like, yeah, well, you, you, you two are both wearing white. You know, so I'm like, yeah, we, we, we can work. We can work. <laughs> but anyway, as, as they're walking off, yeah. there's a Jeff Goldblum. He's on, the, he's on the phone, on the house phone. And he was like, uh, I forgot my mantra. Oh, that and was it. it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I did not catch him. Yeah. See, Christopher Walken, I, I almost didn't recognize him. Yeah. I, I recognized because of his speech pattern. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I know it was, it was Walken. Oh, yeah. But by the way, I, I gotta say before we dive into any other movie, yeah. one of my favorite jokes of any movie mm-hmm. that I've ever seen is Christopher Walken admitting to to Alvy Singer mm-hmm. that he wants to commit suicide by driving on the other side of the road until mm-hmm. a car hits him. Yes, and he can see the explosion and the feel fire it and happening. the flames. <laughs> Yes. And then the next shot is him driving them to the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's that's that right there is the the culmination. That's like the culmination of all the juxtaposition that the movie built up. You got Alfie Singer as a guy, as a know it all guy who has no actual experience to actually do things. You see the lobster? Oh God, no! Um, then he's uh, he's criticizing um, Diane Keaton's uh, character uh, Annie about her driving. Oh, you're the worst driver that I've ever seen ever in the world. You know, yeah. not just in the United States. But oh, can you drive? No, I, nope. <laughs> you know, so it's just like all those things. And then um, and Diane Keaton, uh, Annie. You know, she's not the the most um, intelligent person you would think like they yeah. kind of label her as a ditz I didn't even think she was that dumb yeah no no I mean not, not dumb yeah. but just as a ditz like um just absent-minded. T- yeah, just absent-minded. She's not unintelligent, but she has f- so much experience, and she's just trying to get more experience by the day and experience new things. And then it comes down to that driving to where finally she's not able to drive because it's late at night, and the parents won't let her drive. Mm-hmm. And now Alfie's put in a situation to where <laughs> he's about to be <laughs> fucked over by somebody that he just shitted over you know, ten minutes before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um. I, lo- I I absolutely love this movie. The 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 start of the movie. The start of the movie. He does a monologue. Mm-hmm. Um. My favorite opening of any movie. Same. I wrote that saying. The force was breaking at the beginning of the movie is probably my favorite. Yes. It lets you know exactly what, what you're getting into. Yeah, he said, there's an old joke. Two elderly women are at a Catskill Mountain Resort. And one of them says, boy, the food in this place is really terrible. The other one says, yeah, I know. And such small portions. <laughs> well, that's essentially how I feel about life. <laughs> Full of loneliness, misery, and suffering, and unhappiness. And it's all over much too quickly. The other important joke for me is one that usually attributed to Gretchen Marx. But I think it appears in Winter Freud's uh, written relation. It's, I'm paraphrasing. I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. That's the key joke of my adult life and in terms of relationships with women. <laughs> like, he opens it with that he immediately lets you know what what kind of comedy this is going to be you're breaking the fourth wall immediately you know what he's you know, going to be as a character yeah and you know this is a breakup movie between him and Annie mm-hmm. you know in the relationship problems and and here's a, a thing about this movie that I found particularly interesting it's, it's sort of a, like a mini montage mm. really it's just a mini montage of like him hanging out with uh, and I, I love I love the way uh, Woody Allen did it because he every time something nice happens, he mm. immediately harsh cuts to something horrible mm. happening to like an argument okay. or, or or a miscommunication. Yeah. The movie at its core theme seems to be about how miscommunication affects relationships. Because okay. because uh, uh, every every other shot that I saw is like they were doing something nice. Mm. They went on a date and they end up like, "Do you love me?" He's like, "Yeah, I love you." With two Fs or whatever the fuck. I love you. <laughs> love you. Yes. And then immediately after, they cut to them having an argument about some banal shit that would have been not as even relevant if they had communicated about yeah, the feeling. Yeah. And and not only does he does that does he does that, but he's really great at showing the liter the literacy. Mm. Not the literacy, because that's like literature, but yeah. he's 
is taking emotion, something that would be metaphoric, yeah. and turn it literal on screen. Yeah. And it does it does an amazing job at communicating exactly what the characters are feeling, definitely why they're not communicating, what they're trying to say, and what e- each of them are missing. Yes. In the scene, and and I think it's fucking it's hilarious and it's heartbreaking and it's and I I, I found myself uh, aligning a little bit too much mm. with Alvi Singer. Oh wow! So I love the movie. Mm. I can I don't think I can consciously say. That I like Alvi Singer. Oh, but I thought you would have hated that guy. <laughs> um, no, I, I I do hate him. Okay. But the thing is that I, I found my thought processes mm. to be sort of similar okay. to his thought processes. Mm. So I can, in good conscience, say that I enjoyed any of the things he did. Oh, yeah. I because they are things that I would probably end do up yourself. doing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's why it's my favorite movie. Like, I identify with this guy. Like, his neuro- I mean, that's, I was I was wondering, I'm like, are you going to like this? You know, because yeah. I was like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is like neurotic people. or But you did like... Um, um, the guy from Kirby Enthusiasm, oh, you know, uh, so it's like they're a little similar in yeah, their Larry neuroses. David. Yeah, Larry David and uh, and Woody Allen, <laughs> yeah, very very funny in it. But um, I, one of the prime examples from that um that miscommunication, not even lack of communication, because they're trying to communicate with each other, mm-hmm. but they're not hearing each other. Right. So um so one situation, well they bring up a number of times um uh, Annie Hall's um, use of marijuana. Yeah. Um, the, the first time, you know, she brings it out and she was like, um, yeah, you want to smoke some grass? He was like, oh, yeah, grass. The, um, the thing, so it, it makes a white woman think they're Billie Holiday. You know, he just makes a small joke about it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time, it was like, uh, no, no, no. It was like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do any major hallucinogens. You know, well, last time that I tried to, um, I, I did anything, I tried to take my pants off over my head. You got those backwards. No, I'm just, I'm just naming all three. Oh, okay, I'm okay. just naming all the different thing, three things that he did. And um, so then you have the other one where, when they're in the bed. You have Annie Hall and him inside the bed. That's the main one that I'm right, getting yeah. to get to. So uh, the main one there when they're in the bed and um, she hops out of her body. But the reason why is that this has become something for her to be like, oh, and another thing mm-hmm. where um, he's saying how um, I love you so much because you're so polyamorous. Um, something fuck i can't remember exactly how he said, but, <laughs> but polyamorously perverse right. is, is what he says and she was like what she was like no you're sensitive through your entire body through your skin you find sensitivity in everything yeah because she's fucking high yeah. you know it's like that's <laughs> when, when it's like when, when we make love you know you poly, polyamorously perverse it was like yes she's smoking weed and that's why she's so sensitive within everything you know when they're having sex you know so they finally get to that that, that last sex scene where she's, you know, removing herself from her body, just completely being detached. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, you know, she was like, no, it's just something that I need. You know, maybe if you smoke a little bit of weed every once in a while, then you wouldn't have been spending 15 years with your therapist, you know, and not getting anywhere with it as far as far as you're concerned. You know, he was like, nope, nope. I still know better than you. Why don't you yes. just try it my way? We're not going to do what you want to do. Let me take this out of your hand. Put it over here. I'm going to take the light out, put a red light in here, and then we're going to make it. It's gonna, it'll be fine. It'll be just fine. Yeah. Just watch. It'll be fine. You know. And then she's clearly not fine. But as a woman, you know, she just kind of brings herself down. It was like, all right, well, I'll just deal with him, even though I know he's wrong and he's full of shit. It's just like that's how women women kind of can be sometimes. It's just like I'll submit. No, especially in, in 1975. If, even now, I mean, even I mean, 2000. You, you don't think that women, you think women are more um, aggressive in the sense? I don't know. It's like I, I, I feel like women are more passionate and um, compassionate. No, nah, I, I, the women in my life are fucking ruthless. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, women in my life will not. They were like, fuck, fuck you. Well, no. w- women are generally known for their compassion and just, All just right. in, in life. I'm sorry that you haven't ever witnessed that. But, I but, mean, I've witnessed it. I'm just saying they're not sort of submissive in the way that Annie Hall was in that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Generally. Uh. American women? 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I I go for like a specific brand of people in my life. I don't know. I mean, it's like I've unfortunately been a hoe. I've talked about that a number of times, and it's just like in a in a sexual uh, in a sexual area, women submit very often, like nine times out of ten. I mean, it's it just it just is. I mean, a lot of a lot of the ones in my life are just sort of even just naturally aggressive in how they they approach things. So, granted, but, I've never been in a sexual situation with any of them. It's it's, um, it's a lot, it's a lot but, different because I mean, there that's this a specific sexual sexual yeah. situation with those two, and I mean, it's women do get a lot more compassionate and uh, submissive when it comes to sexual situations, especially earlier on, you know. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so uh, she she becomes sexually submissive. I think the audience learned today that I'm into like fucking. <laughs> Like aggressive being asshole. dominated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be great. I would, I would love to be dominated, it's just not something I guess a personality type like the women want to be dominated. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, I mean, if I can find a woman that'll dominate me up, the, Tessa, the more mm-hmm. you know, there, there you go, go, Tessa, you know, fucking get to you, it. Got, you got some homework to do, oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um. But yeah, um, she, she's in a situation to where she's um, she's just gonna submit. She knows that he's full of shit, and mm-hmm. she knows that what he's trying to tell her is bullshit. But she was like, "I'll just I'll go along for the ride and just mm-hmm. see what happens," you know. And what ends up happening is her detaching from her body completely, sitting on a chair and staring at her body, you know, as it's happening. And while they're while he's trying to make love to her, he was like, "I feel like you're detached. I feel like you're just not all the way here, a little bit distant, <laughs> you know." And you can you can see her right there, completely separated from her body he was like yeah. no i'm not into it told him that i'm not into it i'm not into it I'd rather be doing something else but but then he does an interesting thing where he, he sort of literalizes his metaphors about mm. distance and miscommunication mm. and things like that but then he 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 communicates with the the metaphor yes he talks through the audience he talks through the audience through the metaphor yeah by and bringing the conversation include the three of them yes the body the mind and the astral projection and, and, and of him. the thing yeah, yeah and so he's like no see we can't do this you have to be, be all one yes have <laughs> to, i connected. want the whole thing yeah. i can't have both of you looking well you could if you gave me a little grass <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like i uh, that's i think that's my favorite thing about this movie the mm. technicality of how, of how to to make something funny mm. first of all make something effective yeah and sort of communicate and bring the audience into the conversation as well yeah because uh, usually you get two out of three. You can, yeah. And but he he just he, he brings you into the audience. He communicates directly to you. Yeah. So you know exactly what's going on in his head, mm-hmm. which makes anyhow feel not like a movie that's happening and you're following someone. Mm. It's like a movie that you're following through someone's very strict perception of reality. Yes, very much so. Uh, and uh, he even says it at the beginning. Oh yeah. Uh, where he goes like, I have a I have a hard time separating reality from fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so like that's you're just going through that in the entire movie. Yeah, I mean in his reality he lived under a roller coaster. Like, I mean it's like <laughs> it's a it's a metaphor, but it was like yeah I live directly under a roller coaster. And every time the roller coaster go the house would shake. I mean in reality you know it was however you know many miles away, but it's just right. like that's what his he felt his reality was. Another good thing with him breaking the fourth wall that I loved was because um, it happens every day just in regular relationships and just people in general yeah. is um, just miscommunications, bringing it back to that. Yeah. She's saying, um, yeah, I went to go see my therapist and I just don't know if um, it's going to change my wife. He was like, what? He was like, uh, I said, if it's going to change my life, he's like, no, you said change my wife. She's like, no, I didn't. That doesn't make sense. I said change my life. And then he looks at the camera. He was like, you heard what she said. She said change my wife. You heard it. So I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was like, yes. I was like, I wish we had that in just everyday life. Yeah. Just having an argument with somebody like, no, you said that. And it was like, no, I didn't say that. Well, we can't rewind life. 
<laughs> you know, unfortunately. But and that's the interesting thing about it because and that's that was kind of the point where mm-hmm. I knew that I related a little bit too much to to Alfie Singer. Yeah. Um, because when he said that, I was like, I mean, isn't that what I do in my head every time that I'm talking to someone? Yeah. And I go like, well, that was weird, wasn't it? You heard that? That mm-hmm. was weird. So like, it, it's just like it, it's it's an oddly relatable movie, and I don't yes. know how I feel about the fact that I he relate was, to it. He was dealing with the um the having to deal with a schmuck at one point. I mean, he's my my favorite <laughs> schmuck. The um he was like, yeah, I'm I'm looking for a new writer. And see, I, I was thinking about I, I I come in, you know, and I do a whole opening singing, and then, then I stop. And you know, that's when you write the jokes. You make something like that for me, and then in his head, Alfie is sitting. It was like how long. Because he's gonna be writing for this guy, mm-hmm. and then Alfie said he's like, "How long do I have to write for this fucking schmuck? Like he's terrible." Yeah. You know, it was like, "Why am I working for this guy and writing for him?" It was like, "It's just misery," you know, for him. But, you know, and um, but it, it was it was just interesting seeing the parallel also with Alfie and Diane Keaton's character. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier on, you see um. <laughs> you see Alfie when he's doing his stand-up you know that's that's his, his thing he's a writer he's a stand-up comedian and uh, Diane Keaton she gets to see him on stage he's um he's making a joke about the Reagan administration or the Reagan administration <laughs> he's trying to do to a girl that he was dating there that the Reagan administration tried to do to uh, all of America anyway so um Annie, Annie Hall, she gets to see him doing his stand-up, and after they finish, she was like, that was so good. You were great. Oh, my goodness. Like, that was just so good. Like, she got to see value in him and that, that he was able to do something. And as they're walking out, people are asking for autographs or taking his picture and all of that stuff. And then later on, we get to see him encouraging her. He was like, no, you can do this. You can do You can follow your dreams and have these experiences, all the same experiences, that anything that you want to do. And then she goes up and she sings a song at a club and she was, he was like, I don't, she was like, I don't know about clubs. I don't know if I should go to a club. No, no, you'll love it. They'll be, they'll be great. She goes there and sings a song at the club and nobody's paying her yeah, any attention. Miserable. They're not giving her any looks at all. They, they don't care about what she's doing. And the thing is, like, number one, she's not comfortable, you know, and you can, you can see that. And, and number two is just like who the fuck is she why do we care you know some open mic girl mm-hmm. you know so she walks out just completely not you know just depressed not feeling good about herself um just completely down about herself for everything that she's done later on in the movie by the time uh, those two are breaking up mm-hmm. she goes back and she yeah. sings that seems like old time she sings that song and kills that shit like everybody that's my favorite song of probably any movie you nice. know that movie touches but i mean that uh, that song touches so i'm um, like after she, after she finished singing it singing the entire crowd round of applause fucking amazing and it, you know it, it's just going from him being successful to him going back to his childhood and adolescence and realizing that he doesn't know what the fuck that he's doing yeah. but in his writing he's able to make it as, as if he does yeah. you know like in the end of the story you know you get to see uh, him and Annie they don't get back together they break up and it's because she's not gonna deal with his it's bullshit anymore awesome. yeah and in, in, in reality that's true and he has to go back and deal with that shit you get a flashback of him being back on the bumper cars and just smashing cars not being able to deal with authority not being able to deal with real that life things that whole scene with the cop was yeah. probably one of my favorite cop interactions it was like oh don't 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 you have to be nice to me though you have to be it was like because I have a really huge as he breaks the license yeah. I have a really huge problem with, with authority. authority yeah puts the license up in the air yes and it's just like like any like Alvi was such an interesting character yeah. again because of the painful amount of self-awareness that he had mm. uh, where he knew what he was doing was insane yes and and, and not helpful at all yeah and it was causing so much more problems than what he was actually doing yeah but he couldn't help himself because yep. that's just what he is, what he is he's yes. that sort of ball of anxious neuroticism yes. and that you can you can sort of get away from no you have to accept him for who he is but yeah. even if you stop fucking with him he's not going to change no <laughs> you know, uh, like, but uh you were saying about like 
Annie, Annie's a sort of character, and then Alvi's character, they're sort of inverses mm-hmm. of one another. Yes. So, like, when they were together, the, the, he sort of wanted to give us this fantasy about, like, how the life would work out mm-hmm. and that it was the best relationship he'd ever had. Yeah. Even though we know it's a breakup. Yeah. He, he sort of, like, paints us a picture of, like, this is going amazingly. Yeah. And then immediately crashes that picture and goes, this is going really bad. And then vice versa. And mm-hmm. he sort of alternates between that. Um, but the interesting thing is that it, it's two people met. Yeah, and the story is really about two people met that they thought they were really good for each other. Mm-hmm. They couldn't communicate on a basic emotional level, mm-hmm. and so every time that they were together, their lives would want to go separate. And Annie couldn't be successful if she was with uh, Alvi, mm-hmm. um, because he would always just try to sort of like bring her back to his world, yep. and 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 she just always kind of wanted to break away. Yeah. And Alvi. Uh, he can be successful without it, but he can never be happy mm-hmm. um, without... Fully happy, yeah. Yeah, fully happy without having any because mm-hmm. she's someone that he can drag down into his sort of depth of understanding yes. about the world. And so, like, when they sort of broke off, it was like two people that fell in love that shouldn't have fallen in love, uh, not because of some drastic element, just because of just basic emotional competency. Because, yes, his emotional competency. I mean, like, what I liked about the uh, the flashbacks mm-hmm. is anytime there would be an argument between him and Annie, oh, why did I stay with Allison? You know, <laughs> then they go back to him and Allison's relationship and what eventually ended that, or, oh, why didn't I stay with Natalia? And then he's like, <laughs> go, go, go back to that. And then um, he's holding him. They're going to a nice, expensive, like, dinner party that's at someone's house. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all the finest things of a, of a New Yorker would want, you know, and he's a proud new yorker he has he's around intellectuals you know all that stuff but then he finds a way to go to the back room was like nope i would rather watch basketball right now rather watch the knicks you know he's not able to he wants to drag her back down to his things like he's the center of the universe whatever he wants is the important thing you know if he was at a basketball game if he was at a um a house where they were watching the knicks he would be like is that all you're gonna do watch a bunch of pituitary cases see if they can get a ball inside of the net (laughs) you know that that would be him then you know (laughs) but as opposed to now they're at an intellectual event and he wants to take it to somewhere else um and then the the communication breaks down so i mean and that's that's something that i'm glad was addressed in that so long ago because i didn't get into it until like early 20s uh relationships and sex you know it's just like at 17 i was like yeah if I, i can have sex with the same person a billion times i don't care like as many times as possible put my dick inside the hole it doesn't get old <laughs> you know <laughs> you know like i mean that was just a thinking you know but then if in a relationship like it it, it it does and it's not the physical thing that gets old it's the emotional like right. if you can't connect emotionally with a person then you're not going to be able to connect physically with them um earlier in the movie she's saying that um oh you're just saying all this stuff about jfk and the assassination to avoid having sex with me and then it was like whoa i didn't even realize you know until now that's what it was yeah. you know is they didn't have that emotional connection so they stopped having sex by the time you get to the end of the movie where um they're both in therapy now and he's asking um the therapist so how how long are you uh, how many times a week so are you, you guys having sex yes one the, she was like all the time at least three times a week and then he was like hardly ever you know maybe three times a week <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like that communication so at that point he's trying to figure out like I couldn't make the relationship work with Allison or Natalia or or Annie. Like none, I can't make any of these things work. So what is it? So he's walking down the street, and it was one of the most magnificent episodes. Um, uh, it was very good blocking instances. Instances, yeah, of blocking. Very, very good blocking. I mean, that's that's my favorite thing about this movie, besides the comedy, uh, and it is the blocking and the framing. 
Like this guy doesn't move his camera around no. overly often. Like he's not as bad at it or as good at it, whoever you want to call it, as Kevin Smith, someone who just sits the camera right there and leaves it. But this guy frames things so perfectly. But uh, in this scene where he's walking down the street, he blocks things out to where he can have a conversation with one lady. Then he's in the middle of the frame as he walks up. Then he's on the left side of the frame when he walks over to have another conversation with another couple. Here's a conversation that he has trying to figure out um, how can couples make it work. He says, uh, here, you look like a very happy couple. Um, are you? And she's like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, how do you account for it? And she says, um, I'm very shallow and empty, and I have no ideas and nothing interesting to say. Right. And then the guy's like, yeah, and uh, I'm exactly the same way. And he's like, oh, so I see. So that's interesting. So you've managed to work something out then. <laughs> you know, it's like two people that are just shallow, uninteresting, no new ideas, completely unoriginal whatsoever. It's like, yes, they can they can bond and click together. But it's, it was difficult for that um, opposites attract. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly is just he wasn't able to make any of those work for some yeah. reason. And, and I think it really comes back down to... Um, it really comes. It really just comes back down to like his neuroticism, because he he feels like, and his like look on life, because he, mm-hmm. he feels like he can't be happy. Oh no! Um, because He's like, pessimist. it's horrible and miserable. Those are the two states of being. Uh, oh, do you have it? Uh, no, I don't have oh, the actual quote. I, I, I feel I feel that life is divided into the horrible and the miserable. That's the two categories. The horrible is like I don't know terminal cases. You know, blind people, <laughs> cripples. I don't know how they get through life. It's amazing to me. And the miserable <laughs> is everyone else. So you should be thankful that you're miserable because you're very lucky to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and so like like I, I think his old out, outlook on life and his sort of like pessimism throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah. Just it, it eventually infiltrates every relationship he's in. Yes. Because he can't he can't be with a person that's just like him, um, or he hasn't found a person that's just like him because they would feed into their own sort of mental states. And it would be sort of chaotic. I would never want to be a part of a group that would have somebody like me as a yeah, member. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like if somebody, if somebody, like he knows how terrible that he is. Mm-hmm. And if someone accepts him, then they're not good enough. <laughs> they're <laughs> you horrible know? people too. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're not good enough. You would have somebody like me. No, clear, yeah, obviously you're not good enough. Something wrong with you if I'm the thing that you look forward yes. to. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and that's sort of... <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's what fascinated me about the writing in this movie because mm. it's it, it all felt like something that I couldn't write anything as good, mm. but I could write all the emotional truths mm. that come out through this. Yeah, because I that's what it feels like being awake. Like every time I try to go on a date with someone, mm. it's just like why would you want to go on a date with me? Yeah, like I I just I just make jokes about how I hate the world mm. and like how I can't be comfortable. Uh, because every time I wake up, I, I have to tell myself that I didn't do heroin to mm. have a good day. Yeah. Like, why would you ever want to... So I have, like, those kind of, like, same emotional thought processes. Mm-hmm. And which is why I, I just thought the movie was hilarious just purely because I could relate to that. Yeah. Um, but an, another thing that I, that I really loved about this movie, it's one of my notes, is that every character breaks a fourth wall. Mm. Yes. Uh, not just Woody Allen. Like yep. Every character can do it. Yep. And, uh, and, 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 and sort of that, that, that gives me the impression that it's all sort of all these reality like mm. it, it, everything that's happening on camera you're seeing because it's what Alvi is seeing yeah uh, in his mind yeah not because it's actually nope. happening uh so like my favorite fourth wall break outside of the beginning when he said the movie line and the guys behind them shouting opinions about cinema oh 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 really well it just so happens i teach a class at columbia tv <laughs> and media culture so i think my insights and mr McLuhan will have a great deal of validity oh oh do you well that that's funny because i have mr McLuhan right here so so yeah let me get him <laughs> come here for a second tell him 
I, I heard what you were saying, and you know nothing of my work. <laughs> you mean my whole fallacy is wrong. How you got to teach a course in anything is totally amazing. <laughs> that's what happened there. It's like, isn't, wouldn't it be great if the world was like that? Yep. It's like how we finishes that scene. Yep. And I think that's brilliant. I yes. think it's a brilliant way mm-hmm. to bring an audience into a movie, yeah. into the conversation. Oh, yeah. You're not things aren't happening to them they're involved in this communication mm-hmm. so i think there's three layers of communication happening every time alvi and annie are on uh, on camera mm-hmm. i think there's a the, the level of communication where alvi's trying to communicate with annie mm-hmm. i think there's a level of communication where annie's trying to communicate what she feels to alvi mm-hmm. and they're two that are separate completely the separate yeah. channels oh, yeah. and then there's a third communication and it's what uh, we're com- we're trying to communicate with the movie mm-hmm. so like we know what's at the subtext of what they're saying but we can't really say it to yeah, them. So yeah. we're, we're, we're getting this line of communication that they should be getting to each other. And we as an audience, we kind of want to push that line of communication towards them so they can have an actual conversation. Yeah. And I think this is the best evidence when they, he just met Annie Hall and they're mm-hmm. in her apartment having drinks. Mm-hmm. They go out into her balcony and they're talking about photography yeah. and their subtitles about like, God, he thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. We're like, ah, oh, God, I really wonder what she looks like naked. Yeah. So like he gives us the subtext of what they're saying in subtitles, yeah. what they're speaking. So there's like a line of communication where Woody's communicating with you mm-hmm. and he's communicating with you, trying to communicate with each other. And you as an audience are seeing what they actually mean, mm-hmm. what they're actually thinking. And they're communicating that to you. So you actually have more information than any other characters have. Yeah. And I think that the theme of the movie being miscommunication, I think that's a brilliant way mm. to tell the audience, hey, you know more about what we're doing yep. because people do. you're getting, yeah, because you're getting sort of the actual subtext. Mm-hmm. You're getting what we're too afraid to say to each other. Yes. We're afraid of misunderstanding, so we don't say it. You're getting that this is why the relationship didn't work. Yeah. And that's why I think the relationship with the audience and the movie works. Yes. Because we're getting the poor, we're getting pure communication from Alvi Singer, the character, mm-hmm. as an audience member, which is what Annie needed as a character in the movie in order to make the relationship work with him. Yeah. So I think it's a breakup movie, but really it's a weird sort of like romance movie with the audience and Alvi Singer's character. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a movie called The Breakup of Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Anderson. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a play off of this, done terribly differently, and it's unfortunate. But this Annie Hall movie, where, 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 was, where would I go with that? Um... <laughs> While you think of that, I just want to read one of my favorite quotes. When Annie got out of the car at the beginning of the movie. Which one? It's like, oh. I'm here with the cast of The Godfather. I'm standing here with two guys named Cheech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> la-di-da, la-di-da. La-di-da. <laughs> if I knew I'd be dating someone that said la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> Did you figure out where you were going with the... Uh, no, I did. I, 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 you know. <laughs> I just saw listening right. to what you were saying and you know said fuck that. Okay, that makes sense. I think I've said most of what's on my notes, really. Um, another thing from uh, yeah. at the end of the movie, it kind of sums up what he feels about relationships and why he continues to do it. You know, even though you know, because it's, it's it's a bit sad for him because you can see the girls that he ends up breaking up with or just not staying together with mm-hmm. their uh, trajectory and where they'll be in the future. Yeah. And Annie Hall, she's going to have a successful life. Yeah, you know, she um. 
she was a bit unwilling to be completely manipulated and guided into the way that that uh, Alfie wanted her to be as a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he's only given her books with the word death in the title, you know, because that's the thing that he cares about the most. It's a big subject for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's taken her to movies. Um, he wants to go see The Sorrow and the Pity over and over and over again. Like, it's a three-hour movie. Let's watch every single minute it's of it every chance. Documentary yeah. About Nazis. About Nazis, yeah. So, I mean, it's like the things that he wants to do. But um, by the end of the movie, you know, and she's talking about how much she loves L.A. when she sees him in L.A. and how she wants to stay there. By the end of the movie, she's moved back to New York. She was dragging some guy that she was dating him to go see the sorrow and the pity. Yeah. She referenced one of the books that that uh, that he had made her read or gave to her that death in the title, but she wasn't reading when they were together. Right. You know, it was just a lot of the things that she took away from him and she grew, but she didn't become him. Right. You know, and um, you've seen that with the other relationships as well, but, but him you don't really know where his trajectory is going to be. Well, I it's going to be, it's going to, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. It is. I mean, you could, in, yeah. in the following movies, he's the same person <laughs> over and over <laughs> and over, you know, experiencing these things. He could have 50 other relationships yep. unless he meets someone that's as neurotic. He's and, too smart to learn. Miserable the same. Yeah. <laughs> he's much too smart to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. He's way too smart to learn anything yeah. from other people. Exactly. Man, I, I love this movie. I can't, I really can't say that I that I like any like any of the characters, mm -hmm. but I or uh, uh, his friend I can't even think of his first friend's name. Well, he I, I don't even know if his name is even Max. <laughs> <laughs> Just what what would he call him? I don't Max, <laughs> and that's like I don't even that's like when you were saying um the things that are happening in reality as opposed to what's happening in Alfie's head. Like that could just be in his head that his, his friend calls him Max all the time. That's not his name. Like there's no reference to anything where they talk about when they were uh, school kids. He was like, yeah, when um when I was in school, I was the uh, I used to run the schoolyard. I used to be the best at um best at the schoolyard. He was like, yeah, they somebody threw him a football one time. He tried to dribble it. <laughs> you know, so it's like we got some backstory about that. But the whole Max thing is just like what no the fuck is it's, no. it's hilarious to me. My favorite scene from that guy is at the end where um he picks him up from from jail or whatever. And then he was like, what is what is that like? Some kind of sun race suit. We was like, yeah, keeps out the alpha rays, Max. You don't get old. <laughs> you don't get old. <laughs> it's like he's a, he's a guy like Alfie. It's like Alfie can't change Max. No. You know, it's like Alfie can say whatever he wants to to Max. Max has it figured out. Yeah. Max Max understands what's going on. He knows the world. He knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, same thing with Alfie Singer, and that's why they can be friends. Like yeah. they're very much similar. They're not trying to manipulate each other. Nope. They just like accept each other's presence for what they are. Yeah, because they, they have to. I yeah. mean, it's like when, when they talk, like Alfie is talking to, to Max and he's not even pay, paying attention to him. He was like, yeah, yeah. Well, this girl, yada, yada, yada. He was like, um, and she's an anti-Semite. You know how I know she's an anti-Semite? Anti we went out to dinner and it was like, I'm a hungry. Yeah, are you hungry? Jew eat. Jew eat. Did you hear that? You hear that, Max? Jew eat. <laughs> it was like, okay. Not the, Jew, like, the Jew. Jew eat. He was like, he whatever, Max. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my favorite sort of I think it's just a stupid joke that mm. he did um, but he's, he's Annie Hall's dinner with uh, <laughs> with her parents and the grandma's at the corner of the table oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and she's yeah. like looking at him yeah. just disdainfully and he remembers that she that obviously she hates Jews yes and like there's one cutaway when he's like passing a bowl of gravy and he's dressed like a Hasidic Jew yeah <laughs> <laughs> that took me a second because I didn't catch it the first time I was like was that a Hasidic Jew where the yeah. fuck did that come from super Jew <laughs> that's a rewind yeah the um, the first thing when they get out of the car it was like uh, yeah I got this vest from my Grammy Hall he was like what Grammy Hall he was like yeah yeah she would call you 
what um uh, like a super Jew or like something a, like that. They, she was, she was what they call a real Jew. A real Jew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so by the time you get to the house and then you see her and she's just like the complete look of fucking disdain. It's like Jewish. oh fuck this. this. Fucking Jewish guy. <laughs> I like the uh, the split screen that they did there. That was just what the um, like how humdrum and um pale you know the uh the, the white dinner is as opposed to his jewish dinner and just everybody was all like talking over each other like over each other physically like but communicating Very, they were communicating yes hardcore communicating yes and it was just like showing a drastic difference between those two types of and families. then and then they started talking to each other the mom mm-hmm. started asking questions that the other dad would answer and vice versa yep and it's just like the fourth like the way that the fourth wall is not only broken mm. but like just kind of like twisted and bent a little it's just amazing to me yeah the um, they started off really early with him as a kid going yeah. to uh, going to school, and then it's like I wonder what some of the other kids in my school got up to. And they showed the kid speaking as their adult selves, like yeah, I used to do uh, heroin or something. Now I do methadone. <laughs> it was like this, like, <laughs> was like it's, it's really, it's really, really good. I uh, fucking love this movie. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, apart from all, like if you can separate Woody Allen, the director, yeah, from the movie. Uh, then you got a really good movie that you can legitimately learn a lot, uh, learn oh, yeah. a lot from yeah. in terms of like writing, delivery, and how yes. to communicate with your audience. I Definitely. think the movie's amazing for all of that. Yes, um, yes. Anyway, does that? I guess that, that's the end of the Woody Allen Annie Hall. Yeah. Cool. All right, we're gonna be right back with the television movie premieres. Yeah. And welcome back to television and movie premieres, Chris. Uh, yeah, we have a Tuesday, March the 14th through Monday, March the 20th in television and movies, starting with television. Uh, not a lot going on, but we'll give you what we got. Uh, Tuesday, March the 14th, Jim Norton, Mouthful of Shame. Is that a special? Comedy yeah, special? comedy special on uh, Netflix. Jim Norton, I, I, is that the, like the weird looking sort of wrinkly white dude? Uh, not super wrinkly, but definitely weird looking. Um, he's the guy that does the roast, the Jim Norton roast. Um, whenever okay. somebody gets roast on Comedy Central, he's like the roast master. Okay. Yeah, he's um, he's funny as long as like, it's weird because I talk about how much I like people like that, the- like people that are able to go off the top of the dome, be funny, like a Jimmy, like a Jimmy uh, Fallon, not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Right. Like if you told both of those people to be in the same room, like Fallon, we could laugh at him. Jimmy Kimmel will like make actual jokes for you to laugh at. Right. You know, and that's what I'm saying about Jim Norton. He's a very intelligent, smart comedian who can make things off out of nowhere. Like you walk into a room and then he can say something terrible about you that's funny. You know, <laughs> so it's like not something scripted that he made. You know, it's right. off the top of his head. And I was like, I love that that skill, but I don't like him so much. I don't like him either. You know, it, it makes me uncomfortable. And just I'm just I'm not I'm not a person like I admire the skill of being able to come off the do- top of your dome with things, but it's just it feels kind of negative sometimes. Like I mean, I was. I don't know, like, you know what? I'll get to the bottom of it. Right, here, here's, right. here's the bottom let's, of it. Let's, let's do it. Here, here's the reason why. Because as a kid, like, growing up, I was, like I said, a number of times I was a fat kid growing up. And before, in the early 90s, like, the, the bullying thing or not bullying wasn't prevalent. You right. know, so it's like, it could just happen. You know, and it was fine. And the teachers would give the bullies a limit of how much you could bully and what you could bully on. Right. And being fat was open. You know, and, and, and the teachers, I remember a teacher, uh, Mr. Wingett, he, he um but yeah because because I, I mean it, it was it developed me as a person you know, yeah. at the time as a fourth grader you know just being picked on all the time you know for my weight and I brought the guy the guy up there to snitch on him I was like yo he's been like talking about how fat I am the whole class I'm fed up I'm tired of this you know then the um the teacher was like well why don't you make fun of his hair 
You know, he was like, uh, I was like, that's not right. I was like, I just want him to stop like picking on me for being fat. He was like, well, you can change being fat. If you don't want to be fat, you cannot be fat anymore. Just like his hair. He's like, he has a bad haircut, but his hair will grow back. If he doesn't want a bad haircut, then the hair will go back. He was like, as long as you, you can make fun of things as long as they're able to change it. So if somebody's retarded, you can't say a retard. And this is 1990, so we don't even say retard anymore. You know what I'm saying? But if somebody's retarded, then you can't call them a retard because they can't change that. You know, and then the whole class was like, oh, okay, yeah. And it was justified. You know, from, from that day forth, everyone in the class had the things that they could bully people for and what they couldn't. They, they knew and the, the yeah, yeah, and, and my the things on my list, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm a black guy that's not good at black stuff, right. <laughs> you know, you know, and I'm overweight, you know, so it's like I'm getting it hardcore sent to me everywhere and it's just like Jim Norton is just like the the personification of my childhood you know that couldn't do anything about it well I could but it's just I didn't have the the, the, the tools I feel yeah. like to to be able to go back jab back at people so it's like that's every time I see him it it's like yeah it's like the adult me just wants to see him and punch him in the fucking face even though I know it wasn't him but he's just like the personification of the kids and you know my my depression as a kid you know I totally I totally get it man <laughs> I totally get it <laughs> but yeah uh, Jim Norton Mouthful of Shame it's a comedy on Netflix Tuesday March the 14th uh, the next thing is going to be on Thursday, March the 16th. It's a show called Snatch. Snatch. Snatch was a, a movie by Guy Fieri. Not Guy Fieri. Fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dinosaur. Snatch. Directed by Guy Fieri. <laughs> Snatching your way to Flavortown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Snatch was originally a movie by uh, by Guy Ritchie. It starred um, what's the guy from? I think Brad Pitt was in this as well. But the star of it, Jason Statham, oh, uh, starred Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham. Yes, <laughs> it was a star Jason Statham and uh, Brad Pitt, I believe. But uh, it was a really, 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 really good movie, Snatch. And now they're going to make it into a shitty television show. Uh, so that'll be <laughs> Thursday, March the 16th, a but drama yeah. on Crackle. If you're into that, oh, yeah. fucking Crackle. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the next thing is going to be uh, Friday, March the 17th, Marvel's Iron Fist. Oh, that comes back. Nice. That I mean, comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I'm excited. I'm, I'm a little upset. Mm-hmm. Because after I watched, like Daredevil season one was amazing. Yes. And then I watched Jessica Jones because mm. it came out after that and that was amazing. Mm. And then I watched Luke Cage mm. and Jessica Jones was still kind of like the one that I loved the most. Mm. So like, and, and I couldn't even. I don't think anything's going to top Jessica Jones for you. No, I don't think so either. No. I, I really don't think so. And and, and it's, it's it's a shame because I, I watched like half of Daredevil season two, mm. but I just wanted to watch Jessica Jones <laughs> while I was watching it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I feel like because they released Jessica Jones as their second show mm. in that series, it's like every other show for me is just going to be like immediately less better. That's possible. That's possible. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm at a, like Daredevil is the clear like bottom for me now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I still like that was the first one, but yeah, Daredevil season one and season two, that's at the bottom. But Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were like neck and neck for me. Um, Iron Fist. I don't know how you could possibly be better than Jessica or Luke or yeah. even equal, but I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to check you out. Definitely yeah. I'm, check I'm, it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I, I think that for me is like Jessica Jones is like a mm. couple of steps. Above oh, that's your staple. Yeah. You, you're on but that. Luke Cage is like behind Jessica. Mm. Then it's Daredevil mm. for me. Mm. 
And I love Daredevil. They're all fucking great. Yeah, me too. He's like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to shit on Daredevil too. It, yeah. it sounds like some shit, you know, yeah. when you're putting Luke Cage and and. But we, uh, we gotta Jessica. rank them accordingly. Yeah, and yeah. Daredevil's amazing, but it just goes to show how amazing these shows are. Yes, and I mean, and a third person in the room, they would have maybe they're saying Daredevil is the best one. Yeah. Jessica Jones shit and Luke Cage is shit. <laughs> you know, and they can't <laughs> wait for Iron Fist. I mean, we'll you ask know? them politely but firmly to leave. No, I mean, no, I'm no, kidding. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. That was a hand. No, we're not. We're not gonna tell them to leave. We're gonna kick their fucking ass. And then. <laughs> and then throw them out. Yes. <laughs> I think that was the um the one where the guy was like, uh, "What if somebody wants to like well done? What's <laughs> a steak well done? Yeah. We ask them politely Play, yet firmly to, to leave. Fucking leave. <laughs> and that's the thing. Why can't people understand when they read the joke? It's like the people that like the well done steak is not a joke to them. They was like, "Well, that's the best kind of steak." They don't understand that you have bad tasting food and a well done steak should not be served. <laughs> You, you understand? It's like I understand that I have bad taste in food. But I you like just want to eat the fucking thing, so you eat it. Yes, because I I, I have bad taste. My taste, my taste. I don't have the, the t- I don't have the palate. I have not developed the palate. But you know what kind of palate I do have? Yeah. Television and movies. It's been yeah, my yeah. entire life doing nothing but that. So I can tell you what something is good or bad. But food. Don't yeah, listen to me. No, I do. Don't listen to me when I say something is good. Food. If if I tell you, you have to do what I do with my friends when they tell me that an action movie is good, then I immediately know it's shit. Or if they tell me that an action movie is shit, then I immediately know it's good. good. If I tell you that some food is good, then you immediately know, don't go eat that. <laughs> you know? Because this guy just told you that well-done steaks are delicious and that sushi is terrible. So, Man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had this double quarter pounder the other day and it was amazing. It was the best, best thing I've ever had in my life. No. Double quarter pounder from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, no. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. I'm just, I'm just upset a little bit that no one has ever wronged. No one is ever bad. No, It's like, like when I'm saying like being an asshole, like, yeah. sure, I'm an asshole. I don't see anything right or wrong about that. It just is. Yeah. You know, it was like... I, I have bad taste. Sure, there's not anything right or wrong about that. It just is. Just so have, what? Just have bad taste. Not a bad person. Mm-hmm. Not a bad person. Still the same person. Don't like a steak medium rare. Don't like sushi. Don't enjoy the finer things in food. I do not. So that means I have bad taste. That's what that means. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but, but the problem comes is, um, say, with somebody that doesn't understand that. It was like, well, I love a well-done steak and a medium rare steak is bad, So, that, but I still have good taste. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, there was a guy, Al- Alton, had, I had a thing with him at work. And he, he's, he's, he's great. He comes to work and everything. He's great. But um, he, he was coming to work and it was, uh, he was supposed to show up at 5. He showed up at 5.01 and Wesley was like, you're late. He was like, no, I'm not. And then I looked at the clock. I was like, well, it's 5.01. I mean, you are. He was like, well, I'm not late. It's only one minute. And I was like, all right, we're done having the conversation because clearly you're a crazy person. Yeah, right. you, you know, it's like you can, in your mind, you can say that I'm not late because it's 5.01. But in reality, you you're fucking late. It's like, how do you not accept that? <laughs> You know, how do you not accept it? Like, in my mind, I can say that I have great taste in food. Everything I put in my mouth is good. Yeah. It's good. But in reality, I don't. <laughs> you know? I don't. It's like, that, that's a reality. You I ha- wish more people were as self-aware as it's, it's just like, there has to be a certain amount of reality to things. I wish more people were Sheesh. as contextually aware in their reality like, as I don't, you are. It's I, great. I don't get it. But uh, Marvel's Iron Fist is a drama on Netflix. The rundown is uh, uh, the fourth Netflix Marvel series stars uh, Finn Jones, David Winheim, and Jessica uh, Henwick. Nice. Uh, Let's see. Oh, and Carrie Ann Moss. Nice. No, I don't recognize her. Carrie Ann Moss. She was, um, I think she's the the Trinity chick that was in Jessica Jones. Oh, okay. The uh, the dark-haired girl. Lawyer, I I believe. Don't hold me to that, but I believe, I believe. Uh, But yeah, that's that's Marvel's Iron Fist is a drama on Netflix. It's going to be Friday, March the 17th. 
I just I want to rewatch Jessica Jones. <laughs> it was a really good season. Yeah. It really was. Uh, the next show is March twentieth. Uh, it's going to be on Monday. The show for my woman. It's a it's on TV one at ten p.m. It's a reality show. You're you're right for that sound. You're right because this show is going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. All right. Re- reason why this is even circled, my girlfriend watches this show called For My Man. Okay. And in the show, it just it's like it just man bashes men. Okay. You know, it, it shows women that do these things for women. I mean, do these things for men or their boyfriends specifically or husbands, and then the husbands fuck them over. Right. And it just shows all the things that they were willing to do for the man and still get fucked over. Right. And the show is for my man. You know. So now they have a show showing the op the opposing okay. position yeah, for my woman. Yes, fucking equal. I don't think <laughs> when when people say they want equality. I I, I, I want to point something mm-hmm. out. I don't know if you guys have ever been privy to this because we mm-hmm. haven't done a video episode in a while. Mm-hmm. But when Chris has a thought that immediately interrupts another thought, mm-hmm. you can see this. You can go. He's talking. It's like you know this and that. <laughs> equality. <laughs> yes, because I, I don't think that people understand what equality is. Like yeah. people want equity. They don't. Nobody wants equality. Nobody wants equality. Like nobody wants that. <laughs> equality means, hey, if you can if you can knock this wall down, then you're gonna get your dinner. Then I go up to the wall, I'm two hundred some odd pound dude, and I knock the wall down. Then you bring the hundred and fifteen pound woman in there, told her to knock the wall down for food. She can't do it, so she doesn't get to eat. Equality. No, that's not equality. Equity is you make it equal. You make something that that is is difficult for me to do, but then is just as difficult for her, but is a attainable. Right. You know right. that's people don't and want equality, but I hear equality everywhere. Nobody wants that shit. Well, I I think that people have them mixed up. Yes, no, they, yeah. they do. That's what I'm saying. But the, I, I that's my thing with words. Yeah. It's like somebody if you say a word. It's, it's, not, it's not what you feel or understand the word to be right. is what the defined word is mm-hmm. you know it was like no like you people say they want equality but no you don't well yeah <laughs> I, I get what you mean they want yeah. they want things to be equally attainable for everybody yes whether, that's equity that may mean. yes yeah. i'm like no all right that, that's 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 just what because what, i hear it all the time i was like you're, well you're gonna end up getting it one day be careful what you ask for because one day you'll but end up getting it and you'll be pissed the fuck off. I, I like that they, they they went and did one for my woman because there's a lot of shitty women out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I think there's equally <laughs> shitty women and shitty men. Yeah. I think there's equal. You know what? As a man, I think there's more equally shitty men. As a man, I mean, I, I think there's more shitty men than shitty women. And that, that might be wrong, you know, but... I I'm ju- inclined to agree. You know, I, I'm inclined to agree. We, so we could be wrong, but yeah. it's just like I've I've been a guy for... Let's get this. Yeah, I've been a guy for a little while, and I've been shitty for more of my life than not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I'm and I'm a guy. Um, a lot of my friends are pretty shit. Well, they were shit. You know, back when we were growing up. You know, younger. So I mean, you know, it's really yeah. funny. I I don't like men as yeah. nearly as much as I like hanging out with women. Yeah, like I don't like hanging out with men a lot. Mm. It, they they make me angry. They make me anxious. I can understand that. It's all a fucking dick measuring contest. Yes. Like at school, when I'm sitting in a group of men, mm-hmm. immediately the conversations are how many bad bitches they got, and I'm just like, what no, the fuck are you? No, no not pan, not not participating in that. No. Because it's like I've already won that game. But even, but that's, that's the thing. It's like having for like that big dick mistake born hypnotized. <laughs> I mean, it's just that 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 form of self esteem or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish I could have gotten to it the 
a different way to understand, you know, that you don't have to go have sex with every single person to feel confidence in yourself. You don't have to look like a supermodel to have confidence in yourself. Right. You don't have, but it's like, but that's what it took for me. So it's like now it's just like I'll be in a room. They'll be like, yeah, I fucked. I fucked 20 girls and one of them looked like this and another one looked like this. Like, I don't feel the need to pull my dick out anymore and be like, well, look upon this. <laughs> you know, but, but it's just, it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look um, upon thy mighty flesh worm. Yes, like I've done way more than, and it's just like, and it doesn't just have to be about sex. It could be about anything. Whenever I get in a room with other men, generally they want to talk about themselves, their accomplishments, their accomplishments, what they've done, and what they're going to be doing. Yeah. Me, 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 me. And it's like I don't like to hear people talk about themselves. If we can talk about an idea, if we can talk about you know something going on in the world, fine. Yeah. But I'm not going to participate in sucking anybody's dick no. in any room ever. Yeah. And that's what I, I see that a lot with with men and um, and shallow women. Yeah, suck. I mean, shallow women suck as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyway, I yeah. <laughs> I'll say it for you. I, mean, I, I could go. I could go on about that for like another three hours. I hate most people that I interact with on like not like not like on a personal level, but mm. like on a conceptual level. Mm. Like I hate what they think about. I would lower. I mean, I would lower interactions eventually. Like, huh? and I mean, well, you you help me out with it. Uh, well. You're not doing it on purpose, but I use you for it though. <laughs> whenever we whenever we work together, I don't interact with people because because I'm like I know you're like when I work with somebody else, I have to. But it's like whenever somebody walks up, I'm like Brian is immediately going to interact with that yeah. person, whoever comes by, I, whatever they ask, <laughs> he's immediately going to do it. So I'm like I don't have to interact with anybody ever. I'm like and you know Great. why I do it because I want them out immediately. <laughs> they come in, it's like I need a here you go, pen, pen. I don't want you here. Go away. That's why I do it. I hate. I just want them out. <laughs> I was like, I will not interact. I will not. <laughs> what, 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 did you, what did you say? Pen? Oh, okay. Here you go. No. Nope. No. Nope. I was like, you have ID. Do you have pen? You, like, a lady got scared the other day. Yeah. Because I was at the desk and she was, he had her ID like on her hand and I was like, kind of dangling and yeah. she was printing something in our little printer. And I go like, do you need a pen? You need it? You need pen? it? Need it? And she's like, what? 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 It's like, do you need a, do you have your ID out? Do you have, do you need a pen? It's like, no, no, I was, no, I'm sorry. I was just here. I just, I was just, I was just printing. I was like, oh, okay. So, sorry. Well, hurry the fuck up then and get the fuck out of my area. You're making me anxious. You're hovering around the area. Here you need some prints. Take the fucking prints. You need pens. Take whatever the fuck you need. Get the fuck out of here. The two weeks that you were in Africa, yeah. my desk had no one in front of it. Yeah. Everything I I didn't sit down for like three hours. Nice. <laughs> anyway, All right, um, going. we're gonna speedy through this as quick as possible. Uh, movies that are coming out this week. Uh, the first one, Betting on Zero. It's a uh, documentary uh, starring um, William Ackman. Writer director Tim Braun follows controversial hedge fund titan Bill Ackman as he puts billions of dollars on the line in a crusade to expose Herbalife as the largest pyramid scheme in history. Herbalife. Nice. Yeah, Herbalife can go fuck itself. Yes, again. Uh, The next thing is The Belko Experiment. Rated R, 88-minute runtime, uh, action horror thriller, uh, 64 uh, 64 out of 100 Metascore. In a twisted social experiment, 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in um, Bogota, Colombia, and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. Starring um, a bunch of people that we don't know. But, um, the guy from Scrubs isn't there, the Dr. Oh, Cox. Oh, Dr. Cox, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the office. Um, there, there was a few other people, but I mean, just like not no A-list movie stars. Yeah. 
Um, uh, the reason I want to watch that movie mm. is just because it's an original idea, and I want to mm. support the original idea. It's not. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's a, it's a new concept. Like it's not nope. like it's like a new IP. It's not like a rehash of another IP. It is. Or it's not like a thing for another thing. At least in my eyes. I mean, yeah, it's because yeah. yeah, like I've seen this movie already. Like I've literally said, I'll, I'll I'll pull it up for you before we leave. It starts with the R. There, I, I talked about it on the podcast. There were mm-hmm. three movies like it, and I was like, I seen the second one first, and it was a movie where he puts them all inside of a room and then makes them all start killing each other or be killed. And then I was like, there's no way after all this killing and stuff that happens or whatever that they made another movie. And I, then I found out that was the second one, oh, and I they made know, a third yeah. one. You know, it was like, like something like this. The idea is an original for me. The concept is an original. I mean, it's just like you're trying to sell me on the fact that a lot of people are going to die. Yeah. And and it's like while I, while I was watching the trailer, I was like when it was like three people must die now or 50 people must die now i'm like if i'm in there then i'm just gonna kill everybody and then wait to walk out you know you know <laughs> yeah, like seriously, if that's the thing and there's 80 people in me why don't i just kill everybody like why am i waiting for this for countdown yeah. Uh, yeah it's just kill everybody in the room as quickly and as quickly as you can and leave like it doesn't <laughs> seem like it takes 88 minutes in yeah, a movie to figure that like, out it doesn't seem like a lot no of but it's like but they're gonna have to go through the the, 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 the people in, the, in their mind and oh well that's my friend and I've been working with them for the past five years you know I don't know if I should kill them and then they get killed by the person that's more ruthless than them yeah. and then the person that's the most ruthless out of all of them he ends up dying himself because a ruthless person can't make it out you know as, <laughs> as the winner you gotta save the cat yeah, it, it, anyway, yes, let's move on. yes. Fuck that, that, movie. that was a very good um, yeah. uh, screenwriting book as well save the cat <laughs> if anybody wants to check that out um, the next thing is going to be Song to Song 2017. It's rated R. Oh, Gosling made a, that was made in 2015. Yeah. But only now going to Yeah. yeah. Uh, song to Song. It's a rated R, 145-minute runtime. It's a dramatic music romance. Two interesting love triangles, and I'm out. Um, the next thing is going to be... Uh, still t- Gosling. <laughs> I'm still in. I'm so out. I'm so <laughs> out. And it's like Natalie Portman's on there, too. Michael Fassbender's on there. Rooney Mara's on there. I'm into it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff saying... I mean, and it's rated R, but I'm not... I refuse. Love triangles. And not only is not one love triangle. Two. Two, two love triangles. They up the game. It's it's like, God, bro. Like, figure that shit out. It's like, like you you have... You, you're that... No, I don't like that from anybody. A woman that is juggling two men or a man that's juggling two women. I don't like that ever, ever. Because one person is always fucked. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, and I'm, I guess that's another thing going back into the childhood. I was the person that was fucked all the time. Yeah. You know, I was the third person like, oh, what should I choose between the nice guy that really does everything that I want and gives me things and he's nice to me and charming? Or should I choose with the athletic basketball player who's pretty much an asshole, but you know what I'm saying, like that. And I was always the person in the triangle that was left out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, and every every time. So it's like any time that I watch things with a love triangle in it, I'm like, there's two pieces of shit and one person that is gonna be hurt. You know, so I don't know who the pieces of shit is are in this one, but in two love triangles, we got we got a, a possible four pieces of shit. I think it's amazing how how yeah. similar we are and how we think about shit mm. and how different our conclusions are. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Because like I, I was I was the same kid like, mm-hmm. like in the love triangles bullshit. I was, yeah. I was kind of the one I got left out too. Yeah, but my I, I just I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I never cared. Mm. about that like it never affected like a like a like an emotional reaction out of me really yeah i don't know why i guess i was just kind of you know re- resigned to my it was to my position it was the uh well i know it's like i'm the ego does come out of me in that to where it's like i don't like feeling lesser than so mm. it's like if she 
chose someone over me it's kind of like the puppy in the in the window mm-hmm. and it was like what the fuck why'd you choose that puppy <laughs> and then the first time that they choose the other puppy it was like well just preference you know mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that puppy's better than me but you know <laughs> but after a number of times it's like it's hard to justify to yourself you know i live in like a, a full reality yeah. but it's like even in my full reality it's hard to justify to myself that no i am better than everybody else even though i never get picked and i'm always the puppy in the window you know so eventually it was just like fuck you know it's me yeah no, and you, you get angry after a while. Yeah, like it. it, it, it I, I, just, <laughs> I just, I just really like the way our psychologists work because yeah. it's like so similar. But at one point, they just branched the fuck out, and they're just like, "Your world makes no sense to me," and vice versa. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, that's um, that's that's song to song. Ryan Gosling go eat a dick. Um, the <laughs> next thing is uh, only Churchick, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> and I love like I haven't seen a single thing from Ryan Gosling that I was remotely like unsatisfied by <laughs> like nothing I love all yourself Lars and the real girl like uh, oh, like I, lo- I love good. all yourself Ryan I love it all but it's just I don't I don't like this two intersecting love triangles immediately go eat a dick bro uh, the next call thing call me if you want to <laughs> he's not calling shit <laughs> this fucking guy we will call him he's not calling anybody <laughs> hey Gosling can I uh <laughs> You wanna eat a dick? No, you finished eating that dick yet, Gosling? (laughs) For that song to song movie? You finished eating that dick? No? We'll get to that and then go make another movie. Um, (laughs) Matter of fact, maybe you can join Chris Pratt. I think he's still eating a dick from that passenger movie. Jesus Christ. He's just still. There's a lot of of energy in this episode. (laughs) Uh, The next thing is T2, train spotting. Fuck yeah, train spotting. It's a rated R, 117 minute runtime. It's a drama, a Metascore 62 out of 100. After 20 years abroad, Mark Renton returns to Scotland and reunites with old friends Sick Boy, Spud, and Big B. Nice. Uh, director Danny Boyle still stars uh, Ewan McGregor and Elwin Bremer and two other guys I don't know who they are. Nice. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this movie a yep. lot, a lot. So shit state of affairs. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> so I love that. Shit state of affairs. It's my favorite line of that movie. <laughs> it's an awesome accident. I love that. <laughs> Um, the next thing is um, Beauty and the Beast or did this get cancelled I was seeing stuff on social media but it's like did it get cancelled no the Christians know. are just angry because there's a gay character People, in it okay 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 yeah. I'm like but it's a gay character in it but she's fucking a buffalo <laughs> that's yeah. fine what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's fine right yeah, right? I, I guess that's fine. Like bestiality, no, I don't know, whatever. But uh, Be- Be- Beauty and the Beast is um, PG, 129 minute runtime, family fantasy, musical, romance, 66 out of 100, an adaptation of the Disney fairy tale about a monstrous looking prince and a young woman who fall in love. That's Emma that. Watson and uh, Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans, and Josh Gad. There you go. Not gonna see and that. And a gay character. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna see it just because I didn't care for the first Beauty and the Beast. I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna see it. Yeah. I just think it's funny that Christians are all miffy about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that it? Uh yeah. Cool. I think so. All right. So we obviously went a little bit of time, but we killed that shit. Uh, though. Yeah, we did. That was a good, <laughs> was a great time. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast. You can find us on Google Play Music, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, under the name For Film's Sake. Hey. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at the For Film Sake Podcast, at the FFS Podcast uh, on Facebook. And communicate with us. Thank you guys for listening. And we will be back next week. Yeah.